The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be talking about Arsenal's 1-0 win over Everton at Goodison yesterday. One goalkeeper or two and our forthcoming re-entry into the Champions League. Uh, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Although, as Mikel Arteta has shown this weekend, no one is guaranteed a spot, right? <laughs> but you're in, you're in there on merit at the moment. As am never, I, it yeah. seems. Never guarantee. You, you're only as good as your last pod, aren't you? Um, so, Squad. yeah, we've got we've got people pushing for a spot Squad on a Monday. Pressure. So. We have. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, before we talk about the game or certain aspects of the game, there was one particular one. There was a very questionable offside yesterday. Uh, Gabriel Magalhães tried to pass sideways. The ball rebounded off of the Everton striker Beto and ran into the path of Eddie Nketiah, who was coming back from a marginal offside position. Uh, we all know what happened after that. Yet again, Arsenal seem to be the team on whom the PGMOL test out their weird and pointless <laughs> applications of the laws. So in the Arsenal equivalent of Mario Balotelli wearing a T-shirt saying, why is it always me? Adrian, why is it always <laughs> Arsenal? And what's your most uh, memorable one? Do, do you know what? It's, it does feel like that, doesn't it? It really does. But feel? It I'm is. Sure, it is. I'm sure that other clubs will probably feel that feel a similar way, obviously, except Man United, who wrong, seem though. to get everything going their favour. But um, no, it does, it does <laughs> oh, feel like... Oh, by the like... way, sorry, Adrian, sorry, by the way, just to pause, just to enjoy what's happening at Old Trafford at the moment, right? I mean, we're having a good time watching that, aren't we? <laughs> Great, so much lovely. That's so all we needed. <laughs> the one that springs to mind is, I mean, it's actually not anything new or anything like that. It's just us being the victims of, of doziness is the Brentford goal last season. Obviously a costly draw. You were there with the Stoney in the box on the breakdown live when, when basically they went through every single scenario except the one that really mattered and they forgot to check for Norgard being in an offside position. It's just... Defy belief, really, especially when you consider how long these officials take to to dissect each of these big calls, and uh, and they just forgot. So that that is the <laughs> Sorry, one that I really stands laugh, out to me. It, you know, it, with hindsight and a little bit of passage of time, it seems so utterly risible that it could ever happen. But again, sums up the point quite well. Has anyone else had a goal ruled out because people forgot to draw the draw the lines? I think not. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm just glad we lost the league title by more than a couple of points. I'll be honest with you, because mm. otherwise I would still be raging just about very that. quickly I, though. I feel I, a bit I, better. Yeah, very quickly. I didn't have a massive issue with with this one. I, I have to say, I just think it, it it's one of those where you think, okay, yeah, was it was it deliberate pass or you know it came off the Everton player, didn't it? But for me, in the spirit of the game, he was coming back from an offside position. He was just beyond the last man. I, I, I don't think we were wronged by that goal. As frustrating as it was, I think they actually did get it right. I think deliberate is the wrong word to use. Jordan Campbell mm. actually, I think, wrote uh, a piece on the website talking about this very thing because surely he's deliberately trying to divert the ball. The fact that he diverts the ball into the path of our striker, the law is then, to a certain extent, weighted uh, in favour of the defending team. And I'm not sure it should be, really. Um, I know a lot of people would say, well, you're an Arsenal fan, you would say that. But anyway, it didn't matter in the end. Amy, 
Well, I think it's quite hard to look beyond Robin Van Persie getting sent up at Barcelona for not hearing the whistle in a 80,000 capacity crowd of people making a lot of noise and and shooting once the the ref had apparently blown up for a foul. Never seen that before. But there are kind of countless examples. I just think, as you were saying, Ian, it's against the spirit. of The rule might be correct, but it's against the spirit of, of, of football because I still think, ultimately, for all that VAR is there for, and I was always in favour of it coming, although I didn't quite imagine it coming in the way that it did, I don't think you should be looking for reasons to chalk off goals. Really. No, no. And I think Tommy Yasu's Tommy Yasu's double yellow this season for for you know time wasting was very odd, and the Martinelli one obviously from a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, those are the ones I was going to mention, so oh. we'll move on. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal won one nil at Goodison Park, first time we won there since 2017. Uh, beautiful goal from Leandro Trossard to win the game, thanks to a neatly worked corner routine. We've beaten the hoodoo. I suppose the big story was David Raya being picked over Aaron Ramsdale. Before we get into it, here's what Mikel Arteta had to say on the subject. I'm a really young manager. I've only been three and a half years in, in the job and I have few regrets for what I've done. One of them, it was that in two occasions, I felt after 60 minutes and I had 85 minutes in two games in this period to change the keeper in that moment. And I didn't do it. I didn't have the courage to do it. But I'm able to take a winger or a striker and put a centre defender back and go to a back five to hold that result. And we draw those games and I was so unhappy. Now, he went on to say, tell me why not do it? Why not? Um, Adrian, are Mm. we seeing a radical rethinking of the goalkeeping position in front of our eyes or do you not believe him? No, I do believe him, actually. Yeah, I do. I think there isn't anything... Uh, concrete. I don't think decisions have been made to remove Aaron Ramsdale as number one. I just think he feels, well, I have got two very, very good goalkeepers. Let's just use them um, as I see fit, as he would Eddie or Jesus up front, as he would certain other positions, Kai or or Vieira in in the hole. You know, it, it, that that's how he equated it. And I would tend to agree, actually. It is unusual Brighton are doing it this season. You'll notice um, Verbruggen and, and Jason Steele have been in and out of the team. So Roberto De Zerbi is, is sort of taking a horses for courses approach. And I suspect that might be what Mikel wants to do moving forwards. I think the reason he picked Rye for this one, just a hunch for me, is that Everton are big and they put a lot of crosses into the box. And even though Raya, Raya isn't, isn't big... He's exceptional at catching uh, crosses. Exceptional. Um, Martinez was the only goalie with more catches last season. And Ramsdale isn't that kind of keeper that comes out and claims in the way that Raya does. So I think that's why he gave him a shout in this game. I think Ramsdale and him might end up sharing it, which is very unusual, but I'm not necessarily against it. Why not? As, as, as Mikel says, why not? Well, Amy, all these things seem, um, you know, something radical like this does seem a little out there when it first happens. But if he does it and it works out, everyone will do it, won't they? If they can. God knows. I mean, it's quite out there. It's quite radical. So I don't think just if Mikel Arteta does it with Ryan and Ramsdale that that means every other 
manager in the in the division is going to start rotating goalkeepers. And I'm not convinced that how much he will rotate. Let's I think it's be instructive to pause this conversation and have another look at it in another month or six weeks and see how it's settling down because it is a specialist position and the relationship between the goalkeepers and the back four is a specialist scenario. That chemistry is really important. And that was one of the reasons why I think a lot of people were a little bit um, more surprised, not in the decision per se, because I think once Raya was signed, most people thought this might happen sooner or later, but more that it was uh, coming in at Goodison Park, a tough away game traditionally for Arsenal, where you think to, to disconnect that rapport between a goalkeeper and the back four is um, extra risky, perhaps, just in terms of a bit of organisation, a bit of instinctive uh, connections out on the pitch. Um, but obviously, to be fair, maybe it wasn't so bad just because Everton really are extremely so bad. Offered, offered very, <laughs> very little in the way of threat. I think I think there might be a temporary situation of this kind of sharing, but I wouldn't yeah. be amazed if there was a, a a a more clearly defined number one emerging pretty soon. I think it was. I mean, I I was at Goodison yesterday, and and amongst the away fan base, I think it's quite telling that people would. It was the talk, obviously, before the game, but you, there was no sort of discontent. I think a lot of people felt upset for Ramsdale and that he hadn't done the thing to particularly deserve that and queried the impact that it might have on the camaraderie within sort of certain parts of the team uh, and and his own confidence but it wasn't like you know you can imagine a big decision like that people having a right go at the manager in different scenarios or different clubs or different managers or whatever but um it does it was quite an interesting example of how much trust and faith there is in in Arteta that it was a quirky decision at a quirky time and everybody just kind of got on with it but obviously I think there was also that slight thing of not really knowing how to respond to Raya I think people feel a bit emotionally attached to Ramsdale as well so it's an interesting one but if you've got a clean sheet and you come away with a win it's not a talking point and that would have been very much not the case if Arsenal had messed up at the back or, or got beaten. Yeah, quite. I mean, they did, Arsenal very pointedly did post a picture of uh, Rambo and Raya together and goalkeepers union. So, um, <laughs> you know, they yeah. wanted to make the point, didn't they? And I mean, he did say, Adrian, he did say, you know, he said, I haven't had a single question on why Gabriel Jesus <laughs> hasn't started. He, Jesus, has won more trophies than anybody else, including me in that dressing room. He said, but I cannot have two players in this position and don't play them. David has tremendous qualities, like Aaron has, like Carl Hine has, and we have to use them. It is like this. I mean, he is basically making a justification for doing what he's doing. And But as Amy says, Adrian, I guess we'll see in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, the timing is interesting, isn't it? Straight off the international break, that's when Ramsdale got his place off of Burnt Leno. That was when, when Arteta made the change a few years back. So there are parallels there. I think it might also be a fact that he doesn't want to have a league keeper and a, a cup keeper. Maybe we've answered that question because if he'd have just brought him in for the cup game, you know, everyone would have we would have all assumed, well, yeah, he, of course he's going to play in the in the cups. And now he's basically saying, well, no, it's not going to be like that. He's keeping keeping his options fully open, isn't he? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Amy. I think 
I think there'll be a shootout of sorts for a period, but ultimately you would expect him during the second half of the season to settle on on a favourite. Um, and obviously that's that's a big decision, but it, no, it, we none of us know. It, it's it's all a hunch. It's all very new, isn't it? No, but can I just pick up on on what Amy said about it being a specialist position? If it is a specialist position, there are surely teams where one goalkeeper's attributes are more suited to the game than another goalkeeper's attributes. And and you wouldn't question changing anyone. I understand it's about relationships, but, you know, if you change Ben White for Tomiyasu, that changes the relationship between the fullback and Bukayo Saka. I, don't, I mean, I understand these things are, are different, but at the same time, specialisms happen all over the pitch. And why not goalkeeper as well, Amy? I'm just mainly talking about the fact that Raya doesn't yet have a, a relationship with the defence, which obviously Ramsdale does. That's what I was talking about. And it, yeah, of course, it's a specialist position. You can't say it's not. Everybody in the world since ever, they set, they train separately. That's how specialist, how much more specialist do you want it to be? Yeah. I, 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 do, I do kind of agree that if you've got, obviously it's been used at times recently in terms of penalty keepers and that makes tons of sense you know there are some keepers that are naturally much more connected to the demands of a penalty shootout and more successful and there are some who just don't seem to get much joy and if you've got a, a penalty specialist then I almost think it's a bit bloody minded if you don't change them <laughs> but obviously when that first <laughs> happened was it was it Hushidink who did it in a, in a in a world cup game with with the Netherlands yes yes a few years back and it, on. It, it, it seemed to cause a Against Costa Rica, shockwaves, and you know worked out. And of course, we've seen it a few times since. In some ways, if 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 football ever introduces rolling subs, you can imagine goalkeepers coming into face penalties and then going back off again. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about. Uh, I don't feel qualified to judge. You know, between Ramsdale and Raya at this point, who you know how different they are in their qualities and. You know, there are also the the sort of soft measurements like personality and charisma and determination and being able to deal with mistakes and confidence and all those other stuff that you can't really measure with data that can also be particularly important in a goalkeeper's makeup. So you have to throw them in as well, maybe. I find it difficult to to make a huge distinction between either of them. I think they're both very, very good shot stoppers. I think they're both really good passers. There's not a, a massive difference. The one difference, even though Ramsdale is taller, is Raya is more confident at coming out to collect crosses. He is immense at it. And we, and we got a glimpse of that in this game. You know, the way that he sort of takes the ball at the highest point. He he is better than Ramsdale at that. I'd, I'd say the numbers are this. 51 catches last season for Brentford. Ramsdale made 17. It's quite a big difference. And I know they're different teams. Brentford would have absorbed more pressure than us for sure, but that is quite that is the only obvious difference I can see. Well, the expected goals, the expected goals uh, that they let in as well. That was quite yeah, that's a performance. Big that, that, that's performance, but also I think you, you've got to look at 
I think XG is flawed to a degree as well because it's, it's based on the position of chance. It's not necessarily a whole bunch of other um, untangible situations. So, yeah, statistically, Rai was the better keeper last year, but stylistically, I'd say it's only coming out to catch the ball that's the main difference between the two. And 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 that so that's the only reason I can see why he would change things on a tactical right. basis, game by game. But, yeah. but we'll we'll find out, won't we? We will see, or possibly we won't see, to be honest, because it just they might just swap them from now until the end of the season, and we won't be any the wiser. Except that we'll know that he's, he hasn't got a number one. Um, we're doing, we're talking about this really because the game itself was so boring in the main. I like boring Arsenal, Amy, don't you? I mean, I mean, I, I've. I've watched Man City and I do find them a bit dull. There are more exciting teams to watch, but City get results. They do what needs to be done. And what I felt the difference between this season and last season at Everton, uh, this season was a more grown-up performance. It was, we're not even going to give you a sniff this year. Uh, I think Everton were terrible, as we've said, but this felt like a slightly more grown-up performance. Yeah, that that's fair, but... Um... I think it'd be quite nice to see grown up with a bit more swagger as well. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, there was a, a an opportunity there to uh, to feel the team clicking into a different sort of rhythm because I think a team who were enjoying themselves, let's say, let's say, and feeling a bit more audacious probably could have helped themselves to quite a lot of goals yesterday. Um, and I felt like Arsenal made kind of slightly heavier weather of it than necessary. Uh, in fact, there was a, <laughs> it was quite a, a sort of memorable moment where uh, where the away fans were in the, in the corner of the Bullen stand, I think it's called, and it's next to behind the goal where a lot of Everton supporters are. There was one bloke in particular who was trying to um, kind of lead the the exchanges between two sets of fans by by continually shouting sideways uh, at the Arsenal supporters. <laughs> Apologies for my <laughs> accent there. But yeah, the inference was that, uh, that Arsenal were going side to side to side to side and not actually getting anywhere. And there was quite a bit of to and fro about this sideways business. But I thought he wasn't wrong for quite a lot of the game. And yeah, there was a need to, to step up and be a bit more adventurous. And when the goal came, it was absolutely delightful, but could have done with a bit with, with some more in-the-groove football just to kind of build some ahead of steam going into what's coming this season. Adrian, you feel the same way, really? That it was. It, I mean, Mikel Arteta loved that performance, by the way. I mean, he really did. He thought it was great, but he was just complaining a little bit that. Uh, uh, sorry, we were complaining a little bit that there wasn't enough incision in the first half. Yeah, it was a boring watch, wasn't it? I, did, I didn't. I, I didn't enjoy it as much as Mikel did. That's for sure. Um, it was fully controlled. I would have liked to have seen sharper combination play, more runners trying to get themselves into the box when we were going side to side, you know, want to see someone just make a brave run just to chance their arm and, and get themselves into the danger zone. Cause we're good enough to pick them out. What we did do well were, was clip balls in behind. We saw that with Zinchenko to, to Fabio Vieira on a number of occasions, but it's hard. You know, they had four, five, one, they, they created that, you know, they squeezed the space between the lines. We couldn't really get the ball into our centre forward. 
because they've got so many players down the middle that we had to funnel it wide. But yeah, from wide, I just felt we could have been a little bit more imaginative than we were. So, but ultimately it it didn't matter too much. But but yeah, to rely on a set piece again to to get the goal, a big goal, is mildly frustrating. But I do think against Tottenham, for example, and PSV this week, two, two very, very attack-minded sides. PSV are adventurous and we know that, that Tottenham are as well at the moment. So I think that those games might suit us a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit about short corners. Um, Sky did go on about 26 seconds um, and, and, and maybe there's a reason for it and I hope there is. But whatever the reasons... Are they Adrian, trying to get I'll it chalked off? <laughs> no, they're just... They're, I think the truth was they were looking for a narrative because there was actually very little to talk about, really. Um, but the fact is, since the start of last season, we have now scored, I think, 16 goals from set pieces, the highest uh, in the Premier League. Um, we've hired the set-piece specialist guy, haven't we? And it seems mm-hmm. to be working very well. Um, I mean, we're just... It, it's sort of weird... And as you say, slightly annoying that Arsenal are a set-piece specialist team when you think of all the talent we've got and the, and the little ping-ping-ping football that we can play. But hey, whatever works, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, we're putting a lot of pressure on teams. We're having more corners than anybody else in the division. I looked it up this morning. Nine more corners than anyone else. Uh, I think United and City are, are next in line. So, uh, And that's a, an indication of the pressure that we're putting teams under. Um, I like it. I like the variety, actually, that we've got because, and especially if I was coaching against Everton, you know, Branthwaite and Tarkovsky and, and, and Pickford between the sticks, all those big midfielders, I wouldn't be swinging them under the crossbar every time either because, you know, it's playing to their strength. So I think for certain opponents, playing short corners makes complete sense and yeah, I really liked the way that we constructed it. It was nice, really nice. Just just move, moving the ball one to the other to create a 2v1. We found it. Rice finds Erdegaard and then bang, we've got it. We've got the 2v1. Erdegaard slips in Saka and then it's a lovely little cutback for, for our man Trossard, isn't it? So yeah, cracking goal. Beautiful to watch. And uh, yeah, we move on. Best, best set-piece team in the division. The stats tell it. Quite, and... And and Amy uh, Trossard's finished. Every time Leandro Trossard comes into the team, um, there's always this talk. He always does something special, really. And there's oh, he has to get a start. <laughs> and then I think the one time he has started, he didn't do a lot uh, this mm. season. Was it Fulham? I think maybe. Yeah. Um, although he, but... he started up front in that game, which I think is less maybe suitable for him than kind of arriving from wider or deeper. Yeah. But what a finish. And two-footed as well. He scored a great goal for Belgium. A great goal with his right foot for Belgium Mm. in midweek. And then this one with his left foot. Uh, Jordan Pitford is a decent goalkeeper. I mean, he could have been standing nearer and he wouldn't have got near it. It was absolutely fantastic. Watching it again, because one of the joys of going to great old grounds like Goodison Park, uh, it's nice to go and say farewell, is that, you know, you can only see fractions of matches (laughs) half the time. But... um, (laughs) When I got home, seeing it on the telly, and the book, the ball comes across from second. Actually, it's it's it slightly bounces and it's on the uplift, so it's just bounced to front of him, and he takes it, it comes so quickly, and it's slightly in the air and and at quite a pace that ball. So to actually redirect it with that amount of precision and exactly the right amount of pace on the ball, you know, a, a little bit more, and that was 
probably going to go wide. It was, a, it was a phenomenal piece of instinctive finishing. And I just think that the amount of practice that a player like that does over all the years going back to boyhood, to be able to do that in a game, bang, just in that, in that split second with that amount of with control. With either foot. I just, I, I just think that, you know, any young player needs to look at those things. Which reminds me, I remember when Theo Walcott scored the first goal in the cup final against Villa and it was 4-0 and it was a left foot volley, which was very much his weaker foot. Then the floodgates opened, but that first goal was important. And I felt the same thing at the time, which is, you know, if you work on your weaker foot, you just never know when you're going to need it. And to have that ability to take a moment in a difficult game to unlock it with quality... That's that's the credit of all those sacrifices and those hours you spent working on your wrong foot as a kid. Bravo. Well, nice one. <laughs> Ang- angles. Angles in football are the most sort of underrated aspect of it. In football, you have to know your angles. <laughs> like a snooker player. You know, it's all it's the angle of your foot. It's in that in that moment, it's knowing how how far to open up your foot. And it, it is down to practice, but it, it's also down to sort of quick thinking, you know, ma- mathematics in, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, and with, with pass and move football, it, it's so much of it is about angles and what you can see and what you can't see and what's possible and what's not. So, yeah, footballers are sort of underappreciated, I think, in terms of their mental capacity in, in instantaneous moments. It's, yeah, it's, it's part of the makeup of every footballer, certainly a creative player. Well, lovely to watch. Got us three points. Uh, we do talk about Declan Rice every week, so we won't go on about it. But, oh, my God, he's getting better. He's getting better by the week. He won player of the month for August. And um, yet again, yet again, just immense at the centre of that midfield. And just, uh, uh, I'm so glad we got him. One more thing. Uh, Amy, you would have heard it yesterday. We've got a Martin Erdegaard song. Race on the Uh, uh, lovely to sing along, I'm sure. Yeah, it was uh, it was probably the most sang song in the concourses <laughs> and then sort of most of the second half. Uh, and I think he was really grateful, which is uh, is fantastic, but also about time, boys, you know. It took a long time. It, I, I don't even know who it's by, the original one, but everyone would know it. It's, it's the dance anthem, isn't it? I know, but it's got to have a name. It's got to be a song by someone, right? Isn't it? It's a song. I'm not so sure it is, Ed. Really? Uh, what, I, you know just... what? I'm not totally sure. It's the dance. That's what we all know. Anyway, it's the dance <laughs> song. Dance. And, uh... Sung by fat men in fancy dress. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and others. And I think that's all we need to know. Hey, I've but been there and done song. it. Have you been? Have you been to the dance? <laughs> I, do you know, I never have. We are planning on, on, on taking a trip. Really? Oh, it, uh, I, yeah. I mean, you only kind of need to do it once. I've done it. I've done I it twice, so. two or three times. But yeah, it, I mean, it's absolute carnage. It's, it's, well, yeah, you've got to see it to believe. You can it. tell. You can tell. <laughs> I think I might go as Martin Erdegaard. Actually, maybe I'll take a party of people all dressed as Martin Erdegaard. Uh, anyway, this is handbreak off. Uh, in a moment, we'll talk about Arsenal's uh, re-entry into the Champions League and uh, William Saliba's Crocs. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here on Handbreak Off. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and Amy Lawrence here on Handbrake Off. Uh, Abby, who's producing uh, today, has told us it's actually the original song is Planet Funk, Chase the Sun. <laughs> there you go. That's a Martin Erdegaard song I'm, uh, I'm talking about, and we appreciate them. We thank you very much for that, and Martin appreciates it as well. Uh, we got PSV on Wednesday night, first game in the Champions League. Um, Adrian, I mean, the last time we played was uh, when we reached the round of 16 and we lost to Bayern Munich 10-2 on aggregate, 5-1 uh, at home and away. Really a grim night, actually. I remember both those nights and they were horrible. We're much better equipped now. We've got a squad and, and we're in it to win it, aren't we, really? Have you seen the odds? We're four favourites. Which what? We're, we're more likely to win it than PSG, according to the bookies, which I, I do find slightly extraordinary. Um, Manchester City are, are overwhelming favourites, as you might expect. But then, then comes Bayern Munich, then come Real Madrid, and then and then comes the Arsenal. So there are a lot of people out there I'm that think staggered. we are capable of of going the going the whole way. Are you staggered? I mean, I'm staggered. Yeah, I, I was staggered when I saw it. Unless, unless of course, it's Arsenal players, Arsenal fans, rather, that Arsenal supporters have been lumping on the team. I don't know. But, um, yeah, Adrian, I'm not sure we Adrian, that. Well, when, when we first talked about the BIM back in the Champions League, and I think both of you were saying quarterfinal, and then if we get to the semifinal, that's a bonus. I I really think this team believe that they can go the whole way. Um, I mean, I think I think if we were in the Champions League last season, we'd have been a match for absolutely anyone. And I think this is a more grown up team now. It's it's not a vintage Europe at the moment. It's not. If you look at Real Madrid, they've got some great players, but they are kind of a team in in transition. Bayern Munich have flaws, big flaws defensively. PSG have just lost. You know, Messi and Neymar, they're, they're rebuilding as well. Um, you look around Europe, uh, yeah, there's no no perfect side. Uh, Manchester City should win it. The it's nearest, as simple as yeah. that. But, yeah, but, they but, should. But, but, but we're in the conversation. That's, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Pretty exciting. Amy, are you emotional about it? I mean, it's it's been a while since we've been in the Champions League. Are you looking forward to Wednesday? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody is. There's been a lot of talk about the music. You know, everyone wants to hear the music again and uh and you know i think under the lights with that anthem starting and then a bit of north london forever i think people will be on their knees <laughs> overcome with emotion before a ball is kicked yeah it's great it's absolutely where arsenal have been uh, striving to get back to we did nearly 20 years in a row remember i mean in hindsight that is incredible for a club like Arsenal. Uh, 19 years on the spin, I think, was it? Yeah, but the Under last Arsene five or Wenger. six felt very... Yeah, but you... Uh, st- what are we doing here? OK, but but would you rather have what we've had in the last five or six years? Um, what? A, a project where we're growing and getting better? If, if you're asking me that, I'd say what? yes. What, for five or six years? Hang we... on, hang on, hang on. I, you you I, think that's been happening for the entire time? No, the last three. But I'm talking about being out the Champions League. I know, but you, I'm not. 
I'm not sure you're comparing like with like. I hated the last four or five years of the Champions League. I genuinely did because I thought, what is the point? We're going to finish second in the group. We're going to come up against the first team we, uh, first decent team we come up against. We're going to get knocked out and possibly humiliated. And that's what happened. And I was sick of it. I was glad to be in the Europa League. And I said this to you, I was glad to be in the Europa League last year as well because I didn't think the team were ready. Whereas now... I think they're ready. I think they're genuinely ready to be in this competition. Absolutely I think the players ready feel to be in the competition, well. but they might not be any readier than getting to the knockout stages and then going out to a good team, just like it was before. I don't know what gives everyone this feeling that suddenly Arsenal are fourth favourites. The, well, the bookies, the bookies have that feeling. I'm not sure that I'm not sure the fans do, but if the bookies do, I think that tells you something about the strength of the squad. Um, PSV are quite an attacking team. Adrian, I mean, you said it yourself. This is what we want. We want teams to come and play, don't we? We're sick of low blocks. <laughs> yeah, their manager is Peter Bosch. You remember him. He took Ajax to the Europa League final where they lost to United. He's managed Dortmund, Leverkusen, Lyon. Yeah, his ethos is quite uh, is to play adventurous, bold, attacking football. He's quite an idealist manager in, in terms of he worries more about what his team do with it than without it. Um, so yeah, it should be a good game. It should be a really good game. They, they like the ball, so I think that it could be a game where there's a, a relatively even split of possession. So we might have to ready ourselves for to to absorb some pressure. But but in a way, I think that that kind of works for us because they've got quite a high line. They, they they like to press PSV, and which I think will suit us. Obviously, we're runners in beyond with Martinelli potentially being out. That's that's a, a shame because he would have been. Uh, a great asset in those situations but yeah it should be it should be exciting I think they've got a couple of danger men to look out for anyone that remembers last year's game over in uh, Holland will remember Luke Luke de Jong came off the bench very very strong in the air Um, so corners free kicks crosses into the box we've got to be careful because he's he's dynamite uh, headers but there's a player on the right wing and this is really interesting because I think we all expect Zinchenko to play in the game, but their most exciting player, their most dangerous presence is the right winger, a kid called Johan Bakayoko. He's only 20. Quick. He's like Saka. He's their version of Saka. Left-footed, but plays off the right. So we've got to be careful. I think Gabriel is going to have to you know, slide across and, and help out Zinchenko at times because when he cuts inside... He's, he's decent. He scores some good goals. He makes goals. So, yeah, back, look out for Bakayoko up against Zinni and, and Gabriel. Um, but look, we should still have enough to outscore them and win the game. But I think it, I think it could be quite a good one. Yeah, Amy, the false favourite should beat PSV, shouldn't they, really? <laughs> I wasn't expecting an answer. What's the... Expe- what's the um, I mean, the starting eleven. we just don't know, do we? We, we, we have no idea. There is a squad we game. We don't know who the goalkeeper is going to be, so we can we start with exactly, that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we just, you know, do you think Kai Havertz might come? We have no idea, do we? Really Jesus will start, coming? won't he? I, th- I think Jesus, I think he's looked at the week, Mikel Arteta, and thought, well, PSV and Spurs, there are certain players I want in that in my team for that. And and I would have thought Jesus is is one of those, um, which is maybe why he sat out from the start at Everton. The Kai, Kai Havertz and Vieira, the eye test tells you that Vieira is the better bet, doesn't it, at the moment? So, but it will be interesting to see what happens. I, I suspect Kai Havertz might 
might play because he, he did do very well in the Champions League when he was at, at Chelsea. His best performances were in this competition. Uh, but yeah. I suppose w- w- is it is it now done that Trossard starts on the left now? If if Martinelli's we out, I, no, guess, I guess it probably we is. We have no idea, do we? I mean, <laughs> Jorginho's not even in the conversation, and I think he's great. I mean, he's you know really calm in presence. So I guess we'll see. Um, there's also been a we uh, Arsenal very good at the old social media, and um, there's been a, a new film of uh, William Saliba wearing Crocs. Uh, if anyone can make Crocs look cool, it's William Saliba. Just check it out, by the way. A couple of little stories before we go. Vinay Venkatesham, uh, he's leaving as our chief executive. Amy, um, we never used to know about any of this stuff. Does it? I mean, you'd imagine things will be fairly smooth with stuff like this, but he's been he's been there for quite a few years, 10 years now, I think. I think um, 14. Uh, he's worked his is way it 14? Um, quite various a steadying promotions. Yeah. And 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 you hope that uh, uh, I mean, there was talk about Ivan Kazidis coming back. I've read. Do you want me to not talk again? I ask no, okay. me questions right. where well, I just go silent. <laughs> is that your mission for this week? Was that a serious thing that you saw or are you just taking the mic? No, I, it's a serious thing that I saw that somebody, I, I I mean, listen, most of my info comes from Twitter. I don't, it might have been someone with 10 followers, but I don't believe it was. But I have no idea. Maybe it shouldn't make any difference uh, to anything. But uh, when Why the chief executive a leaves a company... The chief executive is quite a senior position. It's quite important. So are you concerned? No. Okay. I, I think that uh, it's an interesting period for Arsenal to re-evaluate and have a look at who is bringing what qualities to those areas of the club and that division of, of uh, decision-makers. And I think it's probably be, you know, there's loads of time. Uh, Vinay, as you say, has been a real steady, very, he's very much of a gentleman um, uh, as a presence at the club, but they may be looking for some for a reorganisation, then, you know, Richard Garlick, Tim Lewis, people like that are becoming more and more involved, I think, in those aspects of the hierarchy. And it may be that they want a bit more dynamism, a different kind of leadership. It's an opportunity. You know, the club is trying to grow a lot at the moment and has obviously gone through a major reconstruction on the pitch, in the coaching department, uh, in ethos in some ways. So I wouldn't be amazed to see them trying something a little bit ambitious in that department as well. All right. Well, we wish him all the best. He's there at the end of the season. The other minor, I suppose, Arsenal news, uh, Sol Campbell's birthday today. Happy birthday, Sol. Um, <laughs> 49. He will be 49. Is he 49? Today. Yeah, well, he's my he's my age in, in school years, you see. I... Go way back with Sol, by the way, like knew him when we were 12. So um, playing against each other mainly, of course, because he was he was in the other club uh, across North London, wasn't he? But um, yeah, he's quite the character, is Sol, isn't he? Quite the character. <laughs> quite the character. 49 undefeated. Happy birthday, Sol. Hey, uh, let's, have a, uh, <laughs> let's have a song. Uh, we'll be back, by the way, on Thursday uh, to react to Arsenal's game. Uh, against PSV. Let's have a song to end. Amy, what have you got for us, song-wise? Well, I thought I would go for something that reflects this kind of who's the goalie situation. It could be anyone, it could be everyone across the team. 
and I have chosen the South Street player and who keeps changing your mind? Okay, Adrian, what have you got for us? Uh, in homage to our ambidextrous friend, Leandro Trossard. Do you say that about feet? I don't know. Left foot, right foot, doesn't matter. It's sort of, you're not born, by the way, with two great feet. It, I don't know anyone that, that, that has been born with two equal feet. I think it is down to hard work. So kudos to him for, for making himself so two-footed. Charlie Puth um, had a song out last year called Left and Right. So that fits in nicely for Trossard. Okay. I thought you were going to go with hokey cokey, Adrian, when you were talking about your know, left foot, right foot. Yeah. Could have done. Could have you know done. That's but not a bad that, call. That, that might have incurred more wrath. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it would have done. It would have done. It absolutely would have done. We would have jumped on you. But anyway, um, I said at the start it was a grown-up performance. Um, as you know, Bowie is one of my heroes and uh, Changes is about growing up. it's about and I feel like this team are growing up in front of our eyes and it's brilliant to watch although not as exciting (laughs) to watch but I'll take boring our way to the Premier League title I absolutely will and possibly the Champions League as well according to the bookies anyway uh, that's it for this week's edition of this Monday's edition of Handbreak Off thanks to Amy Lawrence thanks to Adrian Clark thanks to Abby our producer And thank you for listening. I'm Ian Stone and uh, see you soon.